Ah, good luck. Puts on the step, goes right through, puts on the step again. Oh, go pretty. That was magnificent stuff. Well, I shall not believe them. Marshalls gets away, Marshalls gets away. Marshalls still going. Mullins opens up again. Oh, look at him go. He beats O'Davis on the outside. Hello and welcome to a sober episode of Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast that owns a rugby league tie tasteful enough to wear at a funeral. Pre-recording live and sad at the Sports Best Friends Studios, I'm your host Big T, of which whom views are my own and of which is deeply saddened to bring you the news. This is the end. It was inevitable. Everyone who's been listening for a long time, they heard it coming. First Chip Jones, then Laverne and Shirley, Eamon, all of it was leading up to eventually this ending, a closing of the chapter of TVT. Yes, of course, I'm referring to the ending of the double-digit episode numbers here at the Voluntary Tackle, and now we reach for the champagne at the wake. We turn and cheers to the 100th episode. We are now in a class above most uh, NRL players because, of course, most NRL players, almost 90% of NRL players, don't reach 100 games, but not fucking us. Sorry, Tim Maltzen. Try substituting your broken body parts for larger, hairier, and less talented podcast hosts. That's how we extended this career. Now, although COVID has taught us, or particularly me, uh, to enjoy drinking alone, and how, I do have drinking buddies at this auspicious occasion. A man so humbled by Eden Park over the weekend, he might not even bother to reference the smaller kangaroos this week. It's Xander Risotto. So what are you talking about? Don't have any recollection yeah. of, of anything at Eden Park. <laughs> and what are you pretending to be drinking at the moment with me, sir? I am. I'm uh, pretending to be drinking on a on a nice drop of um, Dan Aykroyd uh, Skull uh, vodka because I just <laughs> that's the way I roll. Oh, cheers! Clink, and leaning against a greasy table, looking at a triple of itch to dance with. It's Media Watch Mario. How are you going? I'm well, thanks. Which seductive dance moves will you throw down first when you find one? Uh, I am definitely just doing the dance from um, Pulp Fiction, the one with Uma Thurman. So, you know, very, yes. very cliched, all those 80s sort of moves that they pulled out in the 90s there. Yeah, and I'm sure you pulled that out a bunch of times in the 90s watching that video. No question. I, um, I'm so, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sober spotted by the Travojevic brothers that I'd Cardi B them. And by that, I mean, I'd let them nut it on my ass so I'm, and then say I'm glad that they came then when I see those brothers, I'd let them run the train. And, of course, you should look up what running the train is on uh, that crazy website that tells you what, what double entendres mean. <laughs> yes, anyone who's had the pleasure of hearing BT on other platforms would know that I would never say these things on Sports with Friends or Chasing Kangaroos, but the spirit of TBT compels me. And I do that, of course, by wearing a beautiful big T's tea at the same time. On tonight's show, we have a bunch of rugby league fan legends here to celebrate the ending of the double digits aimed yeah, baby, call me Daddy Brown returns. Giannis underscore Mateus and David Hypothetic Hunter. And first and foremost, itching to refer to Hitler or get embroiled in an, an out-of-court settlement for verbal ablu- abuse, please welcome Daddy Brown. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> it's, to be here. Uh, it's so great to hear that voice. Uh, now, sir, I do want to know how you're feeling about the Roosters. Um, I've seen... I mean, I know you're not seeing too much of the, the game at the moment, but um, I've never seen a team death wobble and look so successful. So I'd love to hear your take on it. 
Well, look, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm talking, what are the chances of the Roosters winning a premiership? Uh, I have some pretty clear answers on that. It's zero. Uh, we had zero chance of winning a premiership in 2021. Even if every other team was simultaneously struck by lightning, it would still be close. <laughs> that is the nature of our third string squad. But I'll say this, and I'm sure Xander will concur with me here. The heart shown by the club this year, I think I speak for a lot of Roosters fans, it's actually been a bit of a milestone year. I just feel like I've never been more proud of the club. It's almost as though they've been to war and most of the platoon's been wiped out and Hutch is just crawling over the line into the finals. <laughs> it's a proud moment. Well, I'm really glad that you've reached that loser mentality that the rest of the bottom eight uh, and us feel, where you can pretend to be proud about a loss. It's great that you finally um, succumbed to that feeling. Thank you, mate. Yeah. And look, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, if you... um. It, I mean, I, I enjoy the party of mediocrity that you've set up for me over there at Flycut. Um, I've joined the room. Um, and look, you know, in the same way that you've, you've obviously referenced Tim Maltzen and a whole host of mediocre players that have worn your strip over the years, may I present to you Drew Hutchison, who I never thought I would be ever watching a Roosters game and be cheering for someone who essentially looks like a fat accountant. Um, he's wearing the number six. To think Brad Fittler once wore the same jersey that Drew mm. Hutchison is wearing. It's certainly a fall from grace. And when you say I present you, Drew Hutchinson, you probably will be presenting to the Tigers in about three years for half a million dollars or more. So I can't wait for me to be supporting Drew Hutchinson wholeheartedly. Xander, you were referenced in there, Rosado. What are you feeling about the Roosters currently? Yeah, look, I mean, I'm probably a little bit more hopeful than the name. I, I, do, I do kind of think of you know, one in a million sporting shots from the dark. And, and I kind of have this hope in the back of my mind. I mean, you know, the, the, the reference to half the sides being struck by lightning uh, <laughs> did strike me as uh, being a particularly, um, well, I suppose, uh, a, a curious choice of words, given that the team that can't be beat at the moment is called the Melbourne Storm. So I feel like that would just make it better. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a hard, it's going to be a hard one for us to win. But I don't know. If they just need a channel, maybe they're they're in a mighty ducks or something. I'm not too sure, but but there's there's a movie in there somewhere for them if they manage to if they manage to win uh, the premiership from here. Um, there's two things. I think. I think. Honestly, <laughs> do you mind if I jump in here, Xander? I think you just need to kind of just lower your expectations a little bit. If you really want to win, forget about the NRL and maybe focus on the egg and spoon race <laughs> because I think there are still some sporting events that the Roosters could be victorious in. Uh, potentially I hear Hutchinson. I hear Hutchinson sure. is is a is brilliant at the egg and spoon race. Well, the problem is Roosters don't <laughs> even make eggs. They're not even going to get this game started. Unbelievable. Now I'm going to pick up two things as well, Cookie Rosato. Uh, often when um, people are trying to convince themselves of something or, or lying, they would start really high. So you might say, "Do you like the Roosters?" And you go, "Yeah, yeah, I do." And then you say, "Do you think they would win?" And you went, "Yeah, I think they would win." Which is how you um, started <laughs> at the beginning of yours, which is a problem. And the second thing you said is. I love your logic around um, the mascots and things. So if everyone gets struck by lightning, the storms get stronger in the same way that if my team was attacked by tigers, they would somehow come out a better team. Uh, and I, I see that you're kind of in the same line of thinking as Eamon, that uh, the first grade team's not, not great. So uh, I can I, I can't almost see where, you, where you're going with this, but I'm not too sure. What were you, Look, before to be you fair, were really interrupted by... Okay. To be fair, that, that analogy on the mascots, I mean, you know, the, the Melbourne Storms logo is basically you know a greek god holding a thunderbolt so i mean i just feel like they could probably handle it because they literally are 
Mm. You're confusing them with human beings and their mascot. I think that's we've come to the crust of the uh, issue here. <laughs> Uh, and I don't actually think that is Thor. I think his name is... Um, oh, no, that's a Norse god. I said a Greek god. His name is Blaze, I think. It's the most ridiculous thing you're ever going to hear. Whoever like he is, I'm Dost sure he's a cunt because he's in purple. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Anything else, Rizzo, you want to say about the uh, roosters? <laughs> Wait a second. Can we, dig, can we dig a bit deeper into that Mario observation? <laughs> Anyone that wears purple to cunt, I gotta tell you, the Wiggles, Jeff and the Wiggles will be very disappointed with that. I don't know. His ex-wife who still has to work with him every day probably thinks he's a cunt. She just can't say it. The song Wake Up Cunt doesn't quite have the same ring to it. <laughs> it really doesn't. Like- I just I'd just like to interject and say you were talking about an egg and spoon race. I'd like to point out that right now the bulldogs are in an egg and spoon race, but and they're all out of eggs. We're just mixing so many analogies. Yeah, no. great. That's what we do. Final word on the roosters. Um, yeah, look, I think it's I think it's fair to say it's going to be a long shot, mate, but um, I have not completely given up hope. Well, could I add some yeah, and I, extra two cents to this? Because, you know, I, I need to defend. It's my mighty tricolour club. I need to defend them because I feel like I've, I've probably been a bit too hard on them early. When I said they have 0% chance of winning the premiership, that is true, but that doesn't mean they can't beat anyone. Uh, particularly mean the Parramatta Eels. I'm really confident of beating Parramatta any time we play them. They've basically got nobody up front. Junior Paulo's one cheeseburger away from being a 70s Elvis Presley. And Nathan <laughs> Brown, honestly, cannot catch a single ball. He couldn't catch COVID if he was in Bankstown, frankly. <laughs> oh, great. Well, uh, I can't. Unfortunately, the only way Parramatta and the Roosters get to play each other now is if they both make the grand final. And I think the chances of the Roosters getting there are significantly higher than the chances of the Parramatta Eels. Mario, I will say this. This is hot off the press. Uh, Coach Brad Arthur, I don't know if you guys have heard this yet. Um, He's trying to turn the season around by changing the hotel that the squad is staying in. That is a real story. And if that doesn't show you the depths of absolute shit that that club is in, then nothing else will. Wow. That is a sad thing. I, I have a feeling it's your lack of go forward, not your lack of great room service is why you shit. But did, it, did they upgrade them or did they take them to a shittier one? Maybe you're saying you don't deserve it. Take a, take a crappy one, a hotel. I think he's or something. I, I, it's, it sounds like he's taking the phrase change is, a good as a, is as good as a holiday a little too literally. <laughs> yeah. Their defence was the other night. Uh, now, I can confirm that that the Storm's uh, mascot was called Boom. Guys, it finally came to me. Something that Mario would love to do to a cunt is a boom, but there you go. Or it might be something that he and his wife call. We have a boom boom. Uh, Mario, you haven't had a chance yet to talk about um, the Roosters. Uh, no, I... I think the Roosters are in the situation where they they could possibly they're in the reverse Simpson situation from the baseball episode where they're relying on a series <laughs> of misfortunes to occur to everybody else for them to succeed. It's not out of the question. And as Eamon mentioned, the Roosters are still capable of beating anyone. They got bloody close to the Panthers. The storm showed that, you know, they've showed the last couple of weeks that they could be beaten. They haven't yet, but they could be. And the Roosters, who's to say the Roosters won't be that team to do it? I don't, you know, they've got to get past, mm. they've got to finish fourth or fifth and, you know, see see what, what you know, where the chips fall. But, you know, I, I haven't ruled the Roosters out, not like the way we'd all ruled out Parramatta a good month ago now. 
I will say you just mixed your Simpsons analogies, though. I mean, it's it's not the baseball analogy you're after. It's the Dredrick Tatum versus Homer Simpson analogy that will see us win the premiership, uh, where he's asked to visualize uh, how you'll beat Dredrick Tatum, and it's uh, through a congenital heart failure. I think that's our clearest (laughs) path. And Xander, can I give you something I can't visualize? And that is, I'm not not sorry to harp on this, I can't visualize Drew Hutchison on the commemorative glazed plate. I just... I just can't imagine him being on any of the posters. Like, could you imagine people who are seven or eight years old following the game and they've got giant posters of Hutch on their wall, you know, as a 2021 premiership winning number six? It's actually, it's more fantasy than anything that Marvel's ever put together. To give you hope there, Damien, Brody, Brody Croft came within one game of being immortalised as a grand final winner. Yeah. Anything yeah. can happen. Yeah, but he's the other side, did he? And was Lachlan Maranta in the 2015 Brisbane team? You know, imagine that guy getting a grand final. Any any scrub can win a grand final with the right pieces around him. (laughs) Yeah, Anthony Milford almost won a grand final. There's something. Big shout out to Daniel Mortimer. (laughs) Exactly. He was in the 2013 Roosters top 17. It's a fact that most people forget. The other sad thing that's just about to happen to the Roosters is um, they're going to lose your your game streak, winning game streak. I think the 1975 Roosters have a 19 game, uh, winning game streak and and the uh, Storm are now on 18. It does, T. I'll tell you why. Because the Roosters, uh, the eastern suburbs of Roosters back then, they, they got that record in a time when the game was – a real hard man sport. They had, they had people in their sport who actually had their genitals ripped clean off their body during that fucking wind streak. The Melbourne Storm can't say that. I mean, they've, they've played a couple of paper-thin defences in, in teams like the Dogs who aren't even really recognised as a rugby league team anymore. They've been demoted like Pluto has to being a dwarf planet. They're not actually a rugby <laughs> league team. So in a lot of ways, the record should never stand the test of time because they didn't come through the game when it was a fucking blood sport, mate. Well, I mean, there is there is some kudos to that in that there have been an insane amount of records broken in this PVL year with the Roosters, the Rabbitohs having their all-time point thing going. There was another club that just had their, I think it was Manly, just had their all-time point score um, eclipsed uh, in a season. So that there are statistics and records, yeah, dropping like flies this season just because of the sheer amount of points that Melbourne have also done the best for and against ever in the history of the game. and Yeah, I was going to say, there's been a lot of records tumbling. The, the most number of dickheads on the NRL executive, that's been shattered this year. <laughs> yeah. And and it, is that why you're not watching much PBL? I know that, uh, sorry, NRL is, I know you've obviously had a child, but um, some people would use football as an ex- escape. Is that something that you're trying to escape from though? Well, I enjoyed your Freudian slip there, T, of calling yeah, it PBL instead of NRL, because of course, uh, many have made the argument that the game has changed quite seismically, but I've been, you know, regularly uh, keeping in regular updates with Xander Rosado, um, you know, just trying to find out each week if the game has been restored to normality. Of course, he tried to assure me that from week two. He was just lying to my face. But over mm. time, I think it actually has been the truth. And I've, I have started to ease myself back into games over the last three or four weeks. I haven't watched any complete rounds, but I've actually liked what I've seen. And um, yeah, it's been enjoyable to watch. I've got to tell you, the Smokies for me are the ones that uh, for the premiership are manly. I'd love to get Mario's thoughts. I know this we're meant to be talking about the Roosters, but manly, Mario, you must be excited. I genuinely am. I mean, I'm sad we didn't beat the Storm, but I think considering we kind of played badly, we still held them out to to a reasonable score. And 
you know, and then, I mean, the Parramatta win, big deal. Parramatta suck. I'm honestly, I was more excited about being in the game with the Storm than I was about beating Parramatta. I'm not even saying that just to piss off Parramatta fans. It's genuinely how I felt about it at the time. Um, if Tommy Turbo doesn't play this week, which seems to just keep changing ever twice a day at the moment, I think that'll be a good test for us against a, an, an understrength Canberra as well. See how that goes. I mean, the problem is that Melbourne game is the only actual hard game we've had in a while, apart from a few that we've you know thrown away with stupid losses. I think Penrith was the last decent opposition we had. And that it, it, it's really hard to just know where we're at. But the issue is that in this PVL era competition, there's only six good teams. And with Parramatta off the boil, there's only five good teams in the whole competition. So everyone's really got a soft draw ultimately. Well, there's two things I want to pick up there. First of all, well, there was only three teams, or sorry, two teams at the beginning of where the PVL ball was at its height. And as the six agains have, have kind of come down a bit and everything, the game's kind of gone normal a bit. It's now blown out to, to five teams. So, or six teams, as you just said. So there's a very good chance that by um, the end of the season, the Tigers and Knights will have made it eight teams that are really um, <laughs> vying for it. But the, the other thing that I uh, wanted to bring up was I've got all these wins and I don't know what to do with them. You know, I, I don't even like the wins now. I've got to tell you, as a poor person out here on the streets um, begging for any kind of scraps of a W, you sound like Mario Antoinette saying, just let them beat Eels. Uh, and, you know, like that's the kind of way that I would get my way into the eight. Not all of us have cake lying around, Mario. Some of us have just got to beat the Bulldogs on the way, and that's hard for some of us, okay? So sure, but- stop throwing your, doubles, your Ws around so easily. Let them eat eel cake, is that it? <laughs> yeah, let them beat Eels. Big T, as as Australians, should we spend every day of our lives <laughs> apologising for the fact that people in poorer countries are poor, or should we simply appreciate what we've got? The reality is Manly have got what we've got, which is a history of success. The West Tigers have, you know, a history of abject failure and ninth place. So you just need to accept that you are where you are and you can strive for better, but, you know, I'm not going to I'm not gonna bring my own self down just by constantly apologizing for the success that we've had and so you watch a lot of scott morris in a press conferences recently on facebook now that you're in lockdown or did he just come through there recently <laughs> i'm trying to work out where this rhetoric what attitudes come from unbelievable i'm channeling i'm channeling the mid-2000s uh, mario mid-2000s was when we won a grand final mate so it makes no sense to me <laughs> daddy brand is there anything else you wanted to bring up before you go sir yeah look i I know my time's running out, so in classic TVT fashion, I was wondering if I could take us completely off topic. I've been watching a lot of Netflix lately with rugby league temporarily out of my life. I've uh, been watching a lot of docos, so I thought I'd recommend a couple. But first thing, I know you're a big fan of docos tea. Um, yeah. Have you seen that one? Um, it's a pretty gritty war film about an Aussie platoon who gets obliterated. Um, it's called Tales from Tiger Town. It's <laughs> fucking full on. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it's, I don't know, they're calling it Tales from Tiger Town. I think it should be called Saving Madge's Privates because I've got to tell you, he does not come across too well on that show. Really? I was, see, I couldn't find it on Netflix but found it on Pornhub because I have just been mazzing over it for the last month and a bit. Um, I, I love that documentary. I just watched the, the episode three tonight. It's, it's fantastic. I think Madge has come off uh, really well and, and I've come off because of Madge a bunch of times. So... Uh, no, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And I just think he also is, I, I mean, he's swearing and whatnot, but I actually think he was really underrated. Still, uh, the editing doesn't show much of his tactical things, but in this episode here in, in uh, episode three, we actually started to hear him talk plays and, and reading defensive lines and, and giving some great advice to him in halftime. So 
I'm loving it. Are you genuinely not liking it or just trying to be funny? So you're saying that Madge is actually discussing tactics and strategy. obviously been done in post-edit because he hasn't done that during his career as yet, <laughs> but I can certainly confirm it. Um, like, look, I've got to tell you, I'm with you in terms of being compelling viewing. It is gritty and it's compelling. Uh, I just wonder as a Tigers fan how many people are watching that and thinking I'm, I'm feeling better about my club now because it is so fly on the wall. It is so unvarnished. And you can kind of see firsthand why the club's in so much shit at times. Yeah. I mean, I loved last episode where they had, uh, he said, shut the curtain, which was, uh, you know, sounded like it was supposed to be a hard man thing to say, but it was delicate. Um, and the entire staff are stuck outside in the room outside. But then they cut into the room because the cameras are in there, but just no, no support staff. It was incredible. It was supposed to be a private moment. <laughs> we then. So good. Uh, it was so good. And then him just publicly drilling BJ Leilua and then we never see him again is just also fantastic. Uh, no, I think it's great. I think it's just great to see an honest impression of what's happening. All of us have already lived those losses and wins. And so we're just seeing how, how a coach responds to them. And a lot of us are, are seeing that, that he's responding in a way that we do. We, you know, we're emotional and, mm-hmm. and writing every bit of it. And yeah. it's not that no one cares. It's just that it just hasn't worked yet. And so... It looks like it eventually will. I just, well, I just thought that the strategy and tactics that he would have employed, say, around 2014 in the preliminary final where he beat Manly, and they also beat the Roosters in that final on the way through to winning that grand final in 2014. So, you know, t- I don't know if we throw too many barbs around about Marge's coaching career while we're going for those two powerhouse well, clubs. Just a, couple of, just a couple of points on that, see. Uh, one thing, it's not much of a tactic to say to Greg Inglis and <laughs> his absolute apex. <laughs> Hey, mate, can you grab the ball and just score for me, please? Thank you very much. And the other thing is, by the way, they've got a guy called Mitchell Pierce on the other. Run at him. Why don't you run at him because you're much bigger, you're stronger, and you're smarter. I don't know if you'd call that a tactician's dream, and I will just say this. That documentary is the the sort of rugby league equivalent of Black Mirror. It's like what would rugby league dressing room look like if the entire universe went backwards? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Mario, have you watched it yet? Not a minute. Okay. Good. Good chat. <laughs> great. Great podcasting. Rosado, have you had a chance yet? I've seen the first episode. I agree it is compelling viewing. Um, I'm probably probably halfway between you blokes on it um, in terms of uh, the, the way magic comes off. I, I definitely get his passion and um, his will to, to have that club succeed, but it just feels very futile it's just really it's 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 kind of it's kind of kind of painful i just feel really bad watching it to be honest it's like you know i'm sure there's a german word that describes how um you know uh, feeling feeling pain for watching somebody else um fail but uh, yeah i'm sure tommy radonicus no, was full of passion and and swear words you know wanting his team to win he was still an utterly useless coach <laughs> Um, I feel as though Big T has an Andrew Fafita joke lined up, and I feel like I'm going to be out. Fafita, is it? Should I try to jam one in just to say I've got one in as well, or is it? Please, it'll be no, no, no. You should, if you've got one, please. But the 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 public miss you and your antics, so please do it. Antics is inverted commas. That's war crimes. Some people call them. Um, yeah, look, Andrew Fafita, obviously, in, in an induced coma, it's pretty full on. Um, but when he was lying next to the sideline and gasping for air during the game, I remember thinking, geez, that's an extreme way to silence his anti-vaxxer views. David, hypothetic hunter, mate, it is a pleasure to be speaking to you in your natural habitat, a recorded podcast. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm very good, Mr. Tiger. Um 
how how is how is everyone on this joyful 100th episode that is uh, occurring right now? Um, yeah, but as 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 we said at the start of the show, I've uh, I've decided to 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 commemorate this by by drinking some Crystal Skull Dan Aykroyd vodka. So you know, thoroughly enjoying my time here. And media. Ah, uh, I'm having a good night. Enjoy enjoying drinking a bit of Fireball myself because you know what else should one do on a Monday night? Oh, Fireball is the greatest. Thank you for reminding me about it. Let's also, we've done a very good job of not talking about the eels, so let's continue to do that and turn our attention, in fact, to something dear to our hearts, which is, of course, the NRL media. Uh, and, I, and I do mean that, honestly. Uh, we are a part of it, a small part of it. In fact, it may be an insignificant part of it, but we certainly do contribute in some way. We also digest it um, as hard as it may be at times to digest. And there are large parts of it that are wonderful. Um, shout out to Tales of Tiger Town, although it has been torn apart a bit on this podcast tonight for some reason. Uh, so this topic that is uh, and set of questions that, are, that you are super keen about, DH, um, mm. I'm going to get your opinion on it first. And, and as you know, and as you are, you're a positive guy. So let's start with who is your favorite rugby league commentator or media personality of the past, which I think means, and you can clarify, isn't doing it right now. That's that's what I meant by the question. So yeah. thanks, okay. for, thanks very much for having me uh, on the podcast, guys. I, I thought that it would be very apt as, as the hypothetical RL guy to have three questions. One that was the past, one that was the present, one was the future. So ah, we can hypothetically talk about things that we liked before, we like now, and we hate later. Um, so... And I, I really did want to say big congratulations to 100 shows. Um, unfortunately, I can't talk to the master Eamon himself. He's uh, he's put me on some kind of, uh, um, you know, like an ABL or something. I don't know. He just doesn't like talking to me anymore. But uh, I'm very excited to be talking to uh, the king of Tiger Town, uh, the Italian stallion himself, and uh, the old um, the old donkey over there. Uh, which what, what should I call you, Mario? <laughs> And the old donkey over there. I think the old donkey over there is great. I was, <laughs> I was hoping the Italian stallion was describing me, but I thought I'm not the one who used as a, as, as a challenging uh, surname. <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately uh, Signor Risotto um, is, is the Italian stallion. <laughs> I should probably answer the question. I, I got asked the question and I went, well, I want to just give a little bit of a, a shout out and, and say thank you for having me yeah. on. Um, in terms of, I mean, I really kind of pose these questions because I wanted to get your opinions on them, but I can, I'm happy to, to give an opinion. Um, in terms of old style uh, commentary or media personalities, I think Rex Mossop is the one that I enjoy the most. Um, not because he was accurate or because he was in any way, you know, a, a, a brink brain or anything like that. Just... I really just love the way he talked about rugby league, about the passion. And I love when you watch an old game and and you can tell he was an old forward and you could tell that, you know, he hated it when forwards didn't act like forwards. So that's that's one that I reckon is really good. But what about you guys? Yeah, Mario, you do yours. Uh, from, the, from the past, uh, this old donkey was a big fan of Daryl Eastlake <laughs> in the, the brief period that I got to hear him in commentary, you know, not just on chat, not just doing the wild water sports, you know, um, people riding tires down the hill and stuff. There was a brief period, <laughs> unless my memories escape, you know, fooling me that he did some rugby league commentary and I was a big fan. I, I think, think he, he did, did origin, origin stuff. Yeah. 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 That's what I remember his commentary. 
doing that too. And Risotto, what about you, sir? Yes, I was um, going to say the same as David, actually. Rex Mossop is who I remember most growing up. And uh, yeah, just he definitely did bring that old school vibe uh, to the game. And we had uh, we had uh, Amy been talking earlier about um, the difference in eras between the successful Rooster side that, that uh, <laughs> is about to have its streak broken by Melbourne and insinuated that that was a hard as nails, um, you know, combative game, whereas Melbourne are basically winning in the touch football era. Uh, and I think that <laughs> Mossop was um, was reflective of that that difference of eras. Uh, genital tearing, I think, was the way that he described that era. Um, and rather ball than tearing, genital, ball tearing yeah, rather yeah. than genital touching, which I guess is what this one might be. Uh, the wrong you, you've all got it wrong. The way, of course, the right answer is Matt Nabel and his um, his burning light of stardom that, that shone through. I think it was twenty eighteen or nineteen, where Fox had him for a few games. That was the greatest uh, commentator of all time, and and we were lucky to live during that period. Now, uh, trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if you would go uh, with the tiger, and I was like, I don't know who you're trying to talk about. I mean, you could. Uh, I, was, I was thinking of any ex-tigers that could have been commentators that would have enjoyed. Oh, Junior Pierce. I, I still think Blocker does a good job now. Does. Yeah, Benny well, Elias yeah. still commentates. Uh, if you think Blocker does a good job now, you're expelled from the show. <laughs> <laughs> does not, does not, yeah, you you can have him. Jesus. Brace and blocker. Kill me now. <laughs> I love I love block. Uh how trustworthy. Well, I'm gonna go um, back to you, hypothetic hunter. Yeah. How trustworthy and valuable is mainstream media to you currently? Well, and how would you describe the state of it? It, it, it's funny, you know, because a lot of people are whinging about it at the moment and going on about, oh, look, you know, Channel 9 has fallen off a cliff and Boxtel is following them afterwards. Um, I, I don't know. I think they've always been a little bit, I've always been the ones that have been a little bit annoying or, you know, that sort of thing. But it seems to be the agendas that I'm worried, that I'm worried about. And I know it's going to sound really weird, but it feels like ever since you know, Phil Gould and Andrew Voss on their boots and all got the the um, the touching goal line. What was it called? The the corner post. Ever yeah. since they got that rule changed, it's it's almost like, well, we've done that. Now let's see what else we can do. And it, it's they get their own personal agendas and they want to change the game from the outside. And I'm just I get really sick of, oh, that's not a penalty or or you know, oh no, this shouldn't be the way it should be. We should change that. We should change that. I just want them to leave it alone and just appreciate how good the rugby league is at the moment. And I know a lot of people out there, and I'm I'm going to say, I'm going to go to new media here, to social media. I know there's a lot of guys on social media now going on about how the game's broken and the PBL ball. And look, it's it's not perfect, but I don't think it's as bad as people are going out to. I think everyone's getting a little bit alarmist as well. So um, just two points there, I think, in, in the way that the media is at the moment. Um, but just generally, I don't really watch Channel 9 anymore because I've got KO. Um, and I thought the Foxtel was a little bit better. I think it's slightly better. Um, but I kind of feel like there's there's something missing. There needs to be an alternative. I know there's two, but there needs to be another alternative there. What would you imagine would be in that alternative? Well, I've put this out here out there before. Um, I think, and I can't remember the exact sport. I'm not sure if it's NBA or NFL. But many years ago, when they were in a bit of a doldrum, um, whoever was in charge of that sport actually said that what they what they did is there was three major networks 
and they went out to the two. They went out to all three and said, "Bid on our uh, um, our rights, and we will give two of you the rights. And then the next time it comes around, the one who misses out will get the last right of reply." So what he basically did is he just rotated through them for for a period of years, and he forced them to get better. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't just only just money. It was whoever gave the best coverage, whoever was the most positive about sport. And I think we need that. Mm-hmm. I think we really need one or two other media, um, you know, what like we used to have in the old days, you have the ABC on the, on the Saturday. And I'm, I'm not saying that ABC should, should have rugby league on it, but it feels like it should be just more than just nine and Fox till we can have someone else then maybe enough of the positivity will come through. Maybe the NRL needs, I know it's hard in a, in a contract like that, but maybe they need to have some, some benchmarks that they have to meet. Otherwise, They'll give it to someone else. I love that idea. I, th- I think that may have been basketball because I know basketball's played on lots of different um, channels, but I don't, I don't know the story. Um, I'm just making, I'm just assuming that. that I like the idea of having it on three different networks and then um, the, the chat that then happens on social media is, is I hope the Tigers game's on, on Channel 7 because I love the way that they cover it. And then, as you said, that then makes 9 and 10 look at what they're doing differently or what Channel 7's doing differently and, you know, and, and also try and compete. So, that's a, that's a great idea, Rosetta. I'm going to go to you first, though, because I, I have a very weird memory of you and I tweeting on the Roosters game. Uh, I think it was the Roosters game, and you guys had just scored. No, oh, fuck, I think it was a Knights game. You guys, had, someone had just scored, and immediately Andrew Voss and, um, and whoever was with him, it was probably an Asta, were talking about a penalty that had happened three or four plays ago rather than talking about the try. And I audibly shouted at the screen going like, shut the fuck up. Just tell us what the hell happened. Like commentate the game, not the penalty that you're still blowing up about. But I'm sure that was in a comment that you were talking about. Am I remembering that right? Uh, look, that, I feel like that happens to me every week. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's usually, usually involves, usually involves uh, Brayton Astor or, or any, or, or Blocker. <laughs> you got a bench. You know, is, is, is oh, I just, uh, you know, that, I mean, there's uh, there are a few, there are a few commentators who I think are just particularly bad at their job. Um, you know, Blocker, Gordy, Braith, uh, uh, you know, who actually commentate the games, I, I, I have great difficulty with. That said, uh, and I hate to do this, but, you know, there are, there are still worse standards in other sports. I'm looking at Sean Maloney over at Rugby Union, possibly the worst sports commentator on the planet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that the, the quality of coverage is definitely mixed at the moment there are a few really good commentators i think i think dan ganane um can be a little bit over the top but he's a good caller um i think warren smith is still the best game caller but in terms of media coverage more broadly um yeah there's there's definitely a couple of traditional old school personalities from the game like phil gould and and others who who have a an axe to grind and they push that but then then there's equally some really good journos who still do you know, quality pieces on the state of the game. Like Andrew Webster, I think, still does a bang-up job. Um, whenever he writes about rugby league, yeah. he always he always gives it. You know, gives really uh, insightful pieces. He's now off social media because um, you know maybe for the same reasons we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, and then there's then there's to a lesser degree, I think um, some good pieces here and there. Like I think Maddie Johns with his podcast, they tend to be quite good and insightful when he, when he speaks to um, uh, some of the other uh, journals, they, they can sometimes have some good, you know, bits and pieces here and there. Like Paul Kent, 
you know, I, I have this weird love-hate relationship with him. I think he actually could be quite insightful on some things, but the rest of those teams, like James Hooper and, um, you know, uh, what's-his-face, Booze Cheeks, um, Buzz Rothfield, um, you know, I think they're they are scraping the bottom of the barrel big time. And it would be what you were referring to before about having this cycle through other other um, teams. I think fresh blood is desperately needed because it, those are classic examples of just jobs for the boys. They're part of the um, the News Corp sort of masthead and they've just thrown them in there because they, they write for the papers. They're not insightful. They're not interesting. Uh, they're not intelligent. Um, they just add nothing. I think if there was a, there was a period there when, um, was it Dave Smith was the CEO of the game? They were courting ESPN and they were looking to build out their digital platform in Australia. And I was desperately hoping that they were going to develop a kind of Netflix for sport in the way that Stan is attempting to do now and would throw some you know, serious effort into doing, you know, building a portfolio of, of, of uh, streaming sports that would include rugby league and, and have some, some of that high production quality and, and fresh ideas. Because I do think that, you know, the, Fox um, and Nine have a tendency to kind of go to the same people and it's just a little bit hit and miss. Uh, last thing I will say is I think Nine are at least trying to do some, you know, semi, you know, interesting things with YouTube, their um, Freddie and the Apes uh, things. It's very fly on the wall kind of stuff. It's not like polished or polished or professional, but it does have a bit of a charm to it, watching uh, Freddie and Joey talk about footy. Um, but, yeah, there's... Some some a fresh injection of new ideas from a, a third party would be welcome. And Mario, that was quite long. Sorry. Okay. And Mario, what was the original question again? I, I mean, I listened to everything Xander said, but what was the actual question? <laughs> <laughs> so sorry to wake you the up. Current, it the was current state of, of of NRL media. Favorite commentator and current state of it, rugby league. Okay, so fav- favorite current commentator. I would probably agree Warren Smith is probably my current favourite commentator, though my God, do not follow him. his takes on Twitter. The guy is he's, he's the only one more cooked than Vossi at the moment in terms of their Twitter takes. Wow. Um, in terms of the state of the media, I think there is, like, uh, you know, what is it, um, Nine Media, which, you know, was Sydney Morning Herald or whatever. They've, as he mentioned, Andrew Webster is very good. Um the News Corp have Nick Campton, and he's really good as well. Unfortunately, I think those two are the exception to the rule, and most of them, it they just they'll most of the other the writers they might write a good um, article here and there, but they don't care if it's good. They'll just happen to do one good, and it's too hard to tell mixed in with the six absolute garbage ones they throw out just because they've got to meet the quota. And it just means that I can't respect them as writers. Whereas people like Webster and Campton, they both actually stop and think about what they're writing and they give a crap that what they're saying matters. And so that, so I struggle to read anyone apart from them most of the time. I'll occasionally on the NRL.com, you know, there's occasional articles on there that are pretty good. You know, that they're, they're not clickbait sort of stuff. They actually have a bit of substance yeah. to them. Um, yeah. In terms of what I would like to see, I, I definitely want to move away from Channel Nine. Foxtel, they they are very, they're, they're so rooted to Foxtel, the NRL, that it's hard to see them understanding that things like Stan Netflix, you know, all these other ones could be options for them. You know, a mix of a mix of a variety and let them let them share responsibilities. That could work. I mean, considering Seven and Ten once shared AFL back in the day, it, it can be done. 
Um, I would like to see another network, preferably Channel 10 takeover, just because I preferred their Big Bash commentary so much more to the Channel 7 commentary. And in particular, I actually this is very left field. I want to see Ricky Ponting commentating NRL, just because I think why? Because I think he's the best bloody commentator in Australia right now. I think if he put his mind to it, he would be a very good NRL commentator. Maybe not the court, the play-by-play commentator, but the Gus Gould um, role. Mm. I-, I would really. He's love a Tasmanian. <laughs> like I don't know if he knows anything like about Phil. I know. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I do know that. I get that he's not, he probably not, isn't even an NRL fan. I have no idea. But I, it I might think, be the best person then to come and look at the game because he doesn't exactly. have deeply rooted as something else. I, I just view yeah, him as a prepared consummate professional sort of person. I mean, Bruce yeah. McEvaney wasn't an AFL player to the best of my knowledge anyway, but he's still the best AFL commentator. I view that Ricky Ponting could potentially be that for us. It's never going to happen. That's just a total pipe dream that I've just plucked out of thin air. But yeah, that's me. Chris McAvaney also never ran the 800 metres in the Olympics, but he did a fantastic job of calling Kathy Freeman, which he did. So I'll take your point. Well, 400 um, metres for Kathy Freeman, but yeah, I'll, I agree. She ran the eight, but I'm, you know, he didn't run any of them. So, um, <laughs> yeah, okay. That, they're good ones. And the last one then is hypothetic you had. And finally, uh, if you could make any changes to rugby league media, which is kind of where we're leading into it then was – is there anything, David, that you would also add other than trying to split it across more TV networks? Actually, the thing I just realised about the American one is there are so many channels there that it's it's a much easier prospect because there's so much more cash in each one. It would be hard to kind of split it over three yeah. in Australia because Channel 10 even just struggles to get neighbours going. Um, yeah. But anyway, it's still a good idea. The other, yeah, someone said that to me the other day, but the, the timeline that I'm talking about where they split it over three between three channels was back in the 1960s and 70s when there wasn't as many TV channels in America. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's a different, it was a different kettle of fish. Um, that's one of them. One, one thing that I do want to, I think it almost goes back to the last question, is I want to just congratulate everyone out there. I congratulate you guys on hundred shows. I want to congratulate everyone out there, and I'm going to include myself, all the people on social media and all the podcasters that actually are doing the job that the media should be doing. And one of the things that I think we really need to do, and you mentioned Tiger Town. That's really good. And, you know, Xander mentioned, you know, the that other show with, with Freddie and, and Joey. Um, I think we need more long, long piece journalism. We need more of these kind of series. You know, I mean, and I've heard people before say we need 30 for 30 for rugby league. We have so many stories. We have so much history in rugby league. And I think what we need to do is we need to actually tell those stories we've they've started to do them a little bit but i think they need to dedicate a bit more time to doing things like that um and i think that would make it a whole lot better and i think just even things like supporting you know i think we need to support the the independent kind of media as well like i think we some of these things that are being done and i'm going to mention because i always mention every podcast i'm in but the rugby league digest doing the super league war michael has spent I don't know, countless hours doing the research for that. They've spent hours and hours doing a, you know, a comprehensive Super League War, you know, podcast series. That should be something that is a 30 for 30 or a, or some kind of video documentary. That should be. It's one of the most important things to happen in Australian sport, I don't, not even just rugby league. It, it was pivotal in sport. And we have never got a comprehensive story from a major media outlet. So... Things like that. They need to find the stories that we're all interested in and put a bit of time into them and actually create 
series for them. And I think things like that would be really helpful in, in media. Um, obviously, I mentioned going to, you know, extra networks. That's probably helpful. I think the me I think the the streaming market is something that they should have walked away from a couple of years ago when they, they did sort of kind of just sell it off to someone. Um, I think they need to look into that again. And I know that people go, oh, well, you're not going to make any money. But it's one thing that, and I hear it all the time on, on other podcasts, is that not everyone is going to sit in front of Channel 9 or Foxtel and, and watch it on the wall television. You've got to have the ability to to send your market, send yourself overseas as well. And I know, I know we've got an app, that Watch NRL app, but extremely too expensive for people in, in developing countries where they really want to sell it to. Because if you can get those sort of people playing it, if we get a wider amount of people from different countries watching it, then they're going to sell jerseys in other countries. They get, if they can crack America, they're going to sell, you know, millions of dollars worth of jerseys. They could do that. But they need to put the investment in, and I just don't think that they want to. That's what I want to see them do. But I just don't think that they, they're always just looking at the next television contract, making getting the next TV contract, getting, getting the money, um, and the net team networks are like, we want the ratings. They're not thinking about that. They kind of need, that's why I kind of think that the NRL should run the digital arm and they should still sell to, you know, Channel 9, Channel 7, Channel 10, whoever it is, and Foxtel. But they should be, you know, up on YouTube putting, look at this fantastic thing that has happened. Get it viral. Get it around the world. Get people watching clips of rugby league, maybe not the whole game. Get them interested and then say, hey, here's this product cost you five bucks a month, you could watch all this action. And, oh, look, here's, here's jerseys. You can buy this guy's jersey. Um, and one other thing I find interesting, in America, and not in America, in, in England, and I'm not going to say the English Rugby League is by any stretch of imagination good at what they do, but one thing they did when they did Super League is they gave every player at the start of the season one jersey with their name on the back. And you can sell that jersey. If... Someone wants to go buy the Tedesco jersey, right? Yeah, sure, he's number one for the Roosters. What happens if next year he, you know, like he goes, he moves position or something, he plays in a different position? I mean, it's probably a bad example. But, you know, if if you had, if you're a big Roosters fan, you want to buy the number one Roosters jersey with Tedesco written on the back. I think that's what you want if you're his fan. And um, I just think we're missing a trick by not doing that as well. We'll give um, the the NRL a little bit of credit. They do have their own YouTube channel and they do put highlights on it, uh, mm. official highlights on it. They do have links there back to their website and, and to the NRL draw. And so they do try and whichever part of the thing is trying to do that, they do do it with YouTube yeah. and things. I'm not I'm not taking your, no, your no, point. No, was, no, no. Was I just think that, that they could, your, they could point do a bit more that, with that. They do do YouTube. Yeah. What I'm yeah. thinking they could do. And, and, and I know that, sorry, only that. because. Yeah. They only know that because of so many players that I talk to that aren't in America, that aren't in Australia. Mm. When I ask them, "How do you know about football?" or in India, they're like, "Oh, we watch highlights on YouTube," and mm. and often it's from the NRL. So they have the most of their watchingness is is from people who can't afford, as you said, that that expensive yeah. um, play or watch NRL app. And I think I think that's fine. They've stumbled across it. That's great. One thing, and I know it's going to sound really stupid, it just popped in my head, and I, I thought about it a while back, and I just I remembered it again. Then. I know it's a really stupid thing to do, but you know when you want to sell a game in America and or you want to sell something like a product, what they do is they call up one of these social media influencers, like a YouTuber as my keeper called them, and they go, hey, have a free thing. 
can you do a video about us? Why don't we do that? I don't understand. I mean, I know that this is some American kid probably knows nothing about it. But you give him some cash and go, hey, have a like watch this compilation of of this these tries and comment on it, and we'll give you you know whatever we're going to give you for it. And he's got you know half a half a billion people watch him. I don't know how many people watch a YouTuber, but if you can get like one percent of the YouTube or one of these really influential YouTubers um, people to actually start watching rugby league, we would have three times the audience we have at the moment. Zander, did you have anything that you wanted to add about changing the um, rugby league media? Oh, if it's if it's a if it's a broader piece about media strategy, there's a, there's a ton. I've banged on about it before, but I think I think the trick that the the NRL is missing. Um, most is video games. I mean, if I if I were in charge of the the media strategy, then I'd absolutely do all the stuff with with YouTube. I'd have a digital pass where you can get a free subscription that'll probably give you you know maybe two games a month for free, and then you'd make them sort of box office uh, you know big ones. But I would also invest about twenty million bucks into making a you know a, a Madden esque um, you know video game and and having that linked up uh, to everything so that you could buy a membership when you're selecting your team on your PlayStation 5 or Xbox video game and then having really heavily involved community activities where people compete and, you know, it, it links into um, uh, membership bases and, um, you know, like a fantasy uh, fantasy teams, hmm. uh, management squads and, and all kinds of stuff. I, I would be massively leverage, leveraging that and the growth of esports uh, in addition to all those other things. But I think that is the, the biggest trick they're missing for, for me from a, uh, from a multimedia strategy standpoint. Uh, I was going to say, Xander, with um, with your video game, is that kind of links in back into my one as well, because if you put a video game out there and then you send it to a bunch of these guys who play video games and comment on them, yeah. which is after... 100%. Yeah, it, it becomes because people on esports, they, they have or YouTube Twitter. channels... It's, dedicated to that yeah, yeah, yeah twitch yeah. um you know it's, there's there's so many angles there and it's you know you, you personalize it you you enable able people to to create their own characters or to be their own characters you know i mean like mm -hmm. it, it requires investment which is difficult like it, it was it was the kind of thing that if they'd done it a few years before covid where they've sunk a hundred million dollars into just trying to keep the game alive yeah. would have been viable but um it's, it's a bit of a harder sell at this point sadly yeah. and then i don't know the, the one thing that if you talk to a lot of people who like American sports, you know, like the people who like the, the NFL or the NBA in Australia, a lot of them will be because, oh, because I bought NBA 2K or because I bought NBA Jam or because I bought whatever it was yep. as a kid and I loved it and I started watching the sport. So, you know, if we could appeal to people in, in other countries that don't know the sport to play this as kids, they may, may grow up as rugby league fans. Yeah, and it's so a sport my, that is ideally suited to to a video game format. Like it, it's 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 structured in a way that yeah, it should work. Sorry, um, uh, Big T. No, 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 it's okay. The uh, John Lomu rugby, I think, it was in '95. One of the greatest games of all time. I could, it, I remember playing it incessantly uh, back in the day because it was it was a fantastic gameplay for this whole thing. But also, 98 percent of my knowledge about NFL comes from playing. Um, NFL quarterback club 98 on, on play on Nintendo 64 back in the day. Mm. And to this day, I still play 2k 21. I was playing it earlier today because um, I, I, I struggle to sit and watch an entire game of basketball because it feels very back and forth. I love the game, but to sit and watch an entire games a lot for me, but I'd play that video game for hours because it's really enjoyable. And the incredible stuff they do with video games these days, when you hit like my career, it starts you in high school and you, you, you choose what you look like and whatnot and what your name is, but it starts you in high school and you do a journey through high school trying as hard as you can with all these video clips that they've incredibly designed and the storyline about you 
into college and, and relationships and what kind of person you want to be. And, and you haven't even started playing NBA yet. Um, but the, you know, you just slowly building that up. You're so invested in this instead of just playing it for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, winning a game and then turning it off. They've really worked out how to keep someone in it and on it for a really long time. And, um, it's really, really fun. And the things that they would learn also the data mining they'd be able to do from just you choosing small things about that, that player's life is incredible. So the video game thing's a great idea. Mario, did you have anything you also wanted to add? I'll tell you what, uh, uh, no, I felt myself about to go off on an NBA tangent, so I won't do that. Um, what I'll, I'll say <laughs> in response to the topic about, you know, social media, YouTube, all these other things, the one that's bothered me for a long time is once upon a time, not that long ago, there was a whole lot of people on YouTube, you know, pe- you know, people on NRL Twitter and stuff who had created YouTube pages with a whole bunch of awesome highlights packages because the NRL wasn't doing it. And the NRL went and basically got them all booted off YouTube just because they said, oh, it's our intellectual property, blah, 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 which is just so short-sighted and stupid. Whereas you look at the NBA and they dead set embrace those things. The amount of people who have their own um, YouTube pages dedicated to NBA highlights and and they you can find links to them and stuff. Like it, it, the NBA basically embrace it and encourage it because they know that what those people are doing is is um, spreading their brand for free. NBA don't have to pay for that. So why would they discourage it? And NRL is so short-sighted on that front. Uh, at least they're starting to do some more YouTube stuff, but it's been a constant source of frustration. And, you know, one or two guys working for NRL controlling a YouTube page is all well and good. But if there's 20 people out there wanting to do stuff for free that would be helping spread the the word, then why not do that? I mean, even stuff like big tease tease. I could just imagine NRL coming out and saying at some point, oh, you're using the image of Morgan Harper on your T-shirt. You don't have the rights to that image. So you're going to have to, you know, give us all the profits from that picture. You know, I'm not saying they're going to do that. Yeah, but Murray, hold on. No, but if the art, the great thing is the art's not good enough to really ever say that it actually looks like Morgan Harper. So that's the great (laughs) thing about being actually not very good at it is that it's hard to actually say that's definitely him. Winning. I should point out that I'm actually wearing my big TT um, at the moment. I just thought it was appropriate. Oh, shut up. That's so nice of you. <laughs> well, just in case, now that you've heard all of that hypothetical, Hunter, is there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, look, nothing on the topic. I just want to congratulate you guys again. Um, and I hope to have you all, all onto my podcast again at any time you wish to come on. Um, and yeah, I, I hope to come back on again and, and talk up other garbage to you guys. And, you know, look, <laughs> look, I think the eels are still specials guys and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Finish with comedy. Lastly tonight, Giannis underscore Mateus, the golden second cousin of the podcast, the man that swans in to a sister's birthday and all the cousins go crazy because they've not seen you in ages because last time you got really drunk and embarrassed yourself so much that you became a legend so great to have you back um how are you feeling sir yeah good mate um i think my uh, drunken antics last time resulted in me suggesting that queensland would win the origin series uh so there's no regrets <laughs> uh no regrets there at all yeah, and the Dragons uh, although, are going really well since then as well. Well, no, I did predict that Newcastle would take our spot on the eight. So I'm, uh, I mean, look, us losing out uh, isn't isn't a surprise, but Newcastle stepping up, I think, uh, maybe this drunken haze uh, has resulted in some benefit. But uh, an auspicious occasion, gents. I'm very proud uh, 
be associated, albeit uh, at a guest level. Now, you talking about dragons and, and knights and fighting over the seventh spot while the Tigers lock in eights has meant that we've lost half of our audience, but that's okay. Um, you've <laughs> asked a question which fits the said drunken second cousin perfectly, and I want to read it verbatim. <clears throat> Which dictator modelled their career on PBL the most and why did Nathan Cleary's shoulder charge, which, which wasn't, is a massive issue for the ongoing credibility of his glorious reign? Now, I'm going to need you to answer it first just so that everybody else can understand what the hell you're talking about. So, <laughs> I was going to say, can we get go. an interpreter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I was just saying, like, my view is, is that PBL... Uh, so, because I have to also mention other podcasts on this podcast... I'm mad into, um, into the real dictators at the moment. And uh, I think uh, Mia, uh, Gaddafi and PVL have very similarities in just coming wow. up with some kooky ideas. Um, yeah. and I Can think- I just reiterate the views are our own before we keep going? Great. <laughs> yeah, PVL, Gaddafi, keep going. Allegedly or hypothetically <laughs> yeah. or whatever, whatever gets me yeah. out of the information. Uh, yeah. So... Um, so, yeah, and I actually think that uh, the disparity in the Volandis ball, I think, is, is tarnishing the reputation or creatively thinking the way that Gaddafi would occasionally just rock up in a, in a, in a glorious suit. Um, however, I think, um, I actually think that the judiciary is, is going to be, uh, if you will, the Arab Spring, to take that a bit further. Um, in uh, in that I, I generally think people will start losing interest in the game if if the judiciary don't stay uh, start uh, let's just say fairly adjudicating uh, sort of charges from the lesser known teams or lesser teams compared to the really good teams. Well, first of all, I'm very impressed by your foreseen uh, Middle East knowledge, Rosado. How are you feeling so far about this um, analogy you, you're keeping up? Yeah, look, I, I like the idea of uh, mixing dictators, but I, I'd, I'd probably pick a, a much more obscure one if it was up to me. Um, you know, in terms of crazy ideas and eccentricities, I, I'd probably pick myself a Tokugawa Tsuneyoshi, who was one of the um, the Tokugawa um, uh, shoguns of Japan during that uh, closed-off period, and he made um, insulting dogs uh, an offence punishable by death because he was particularly keen on dogs. And, and as a dog lover myself, I actually have a bit of a soft spot for this guy, but um, just in terms of imposing personal quirks and things on, on an entire society, that strikes me as being very PBL-like. Well, I'm incredibly out of my intellectual depth. Uh, depth. So, uh, Mario, do you have any idea? Can you keep going with this incredible analogy? Well, in true voluntary tackle style, I was, of course, immediately thinking that we had to bring Hitler into this in some way. But <laughs> I've decided to go a bit more um, recent, and I have started to equate Lord PVL with the man himself, Donald Trump. The way, the way he gets uh, a tame media on board to just peddle whatever utter bullshit he just spews up in the morning. And that's just what we all have to accept. And any dissenting voices that are shouted down as fake news, then to, to me, I think that they're, they're basically the same person. And I want to know, has anyone seen them in a room together? No, I guess that's true. Although I've never been in the same room as Donald Trump. And I'd hate for you to start to think that I'm Donald Trumpish. Yanis, is this where you were imagining this would go back to T-Rump? Well, I actually think that Trump has a point because you can't call people <laughs> film supporters supporters actually insane when AFL is allowed to continue to propagate as a 
as a force against evil. <laughs> I never looked um, at it that way. You, you have a point there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're not half crazy after all. Um, and until that cabal is, a, is it continues to exist, uh, um, you know, you've certainly got my view that um, that maybe they're onto something. But well, yeah, look. As I said, I think just I think that uh, I, I just like I just like the Gaddafi uh, approach anyway. Um, that's my uh, my view. I, I, I think that uh, yeah, he just has that elements of eccentricities uh, that only PVL can come up with. Um, but I, I do think he's going to come undone by something that's not entirely his fault. Um, I think people are just going to get the shit sooner or later and 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 be turned off the game altogether as a result. But yeah, that's my five cents worth. Now, here's my dictator, and it's a little out of the box. I'm going to go with a primary school teacher which are dictators in their own way and if you think about the way pvl talks down to people but but feels kind of loving and nurturing and and people would say afterwards well he saved us and he's he's the best which is kind of how kids talk about their teacher when they've got them at the time this is the best teacher i love you whatever that kind of crap and then there's always some kids and the kids i think in this analogy are are the media the kid, there are one or two kids that are naughty and don't really listen, but really most of them are uh, in tow. And then in the playground, they get a little bit, oh, I don't really remember. And then they come back to the room and, oh, that's right, we're supposed to be, this person's in charge. But the whole time, everyone has an underlying knowledge that this can't last forever and eventually next year they'll have somebody else. And I think that that's an underlying current with most rugby league um, administrations is that this won't very last very long, but me, the media person, fears... Uh, Buzz Rothfield or Phil Gould or whoever I am, I'll outlast this person. So it doesn't matter too much. I'll, I'll be placate them at the moment, but eventually I know that I'll last longer than them, which which is kind of what the kid's thinking through school. How, how did that analogy wash with you, Giannis? Um, biggest, I'd just like to congratulate you. You're one of the nicest guys on Twitter, and yet somehow you've managed to offend the teaching profession so <laughs> easily. Uh, and yet During lockdown as well, when they're head. working the hardest. This, this is, <laughs> This is the thing. This is the thing. I could send out a tweet going, look, I love the teachers of Western Sydney, work really, really hard. And, you know, the response I get is, you know, you fucking asshole. You, on the other <laughs> hand, can go run directly at them and people would go, yeah, the, the top biggest has got a point. Um, <laughs> so congratulations on that, mate. I, I'm, I'm impressed. And I will say that Dictators. You know, it was particularly, um, like, I mean, I don't know if I'm, I'm alone here on this one, but what came to mind as you described these teachers was the character of, a, of O'Brien from 1984, the, the sort of kindly person that um, you think is on your side, but it's basically getting you ready for the, for execution. Um, and so, yeah, wow. I, 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 I agree with um, I. I agree with Yanis that um, well done and insulting all of the, the teaching profession. Well, this says a lot more about you guys than me because I didn't say anything horrible about teachers or PBL. You've all assumed that, that um, being a dictator in those situations is a bad thing. Well, we know that those people are doing such an incredible job and, and need to take on that kind of leadership role and help those poor people, just like the media needs help um, on their day-to-day trudge through rugby league. So the fact that you've taken this negatively, gentlemen, says a lot about you, the, particularly Xander's one. That was quite nasty. I'm, I'm worried about how you, your primary schooling went. I tell you um, what, and at I what tell age you what, read BJ, 1984? You, you, have, you have basically taken right-wing Twitter and just run with it there because you've gone out and been <laughs> insulting to a group and then you've played the victim when you've been confronted with your own yeah. fun. Yeah. So well done. So, <laughs> this is Paul Murray in disguise. Biggest, you sure you're not a Dragons fan? Just playing against a Dragons fan? No, unfortunately. I mean, I, I used to really like the Dragons, but um, at the moment, I just that whole barbecue thing. 
Yeah, we love their supporters. I'm the opposite of Glenn Blakely, where he says the only thing worse than the Dragons is its fans. Or I'm the opposite. I don't mind the Dragons, and I love their fans. So uh, I think I think it's a great line that Glenn says, but uh, I wholeheartedly disagree with it. Mario, did I? You you did your thing. Okay. Is there anything else that we want to say before we lose, Giannis? We're not going to talk about the Cleary tackle. Just out of interest. <laughs> <laughs> is this because is this because Marcus Sivo has been banned twice for Celtic charges? For yeah, no, no, no. I, was I, said I, that it was fun. No, no, there's a genuine point to it, which is I think that if Ravalar has been banned twice for over what would be eight weeks and hasn't wrapped. Oh, and, sorry, I meant Ravalar. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my point is, is is that that means any shit that you know Kafusi comes out with in the same day as as we lose two players. I, I genuinely think that the, the, the rest of, I, I think the judiciary is a problem. I'm not saying we should be banning people. I just, I just want some consistency, that word again. And the last time I got into a fight with you, biggest about refereeing consistency, this time I just think that, <laughs> you know, there's judiciary here that, 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 that you know, you've you got to call, uh, you know, line up with us. Otherwise, it's like, what's the point? Like, it's a lottery every time someone goes into attacking. I don't think yeah. there's any issue. Uh, it's all like- <laughs> Sorry. I don't think there's any point bringing Kafusi into it because apparently he does play by different rules from everybody else. He's he's done as many bad tackles <laughs> as far as I'm concerned as Victor Radley has, and yet he never gets charged for anything. But on the Cleary thing, Cleary got the exact right charge and the exact right punishment. And I want Penrith to I want Penrith to lose. I want him rubbed out for six weeks so that it improves Manly's chances. But the reality is he doesn't deserve to be to be knocked out. It was a nothing tackle. He stood, he simply stood still and let someone run into him. It was just nothing. The fact that the guy dropped he braced the ball, for contact. Yeah. The, the fact that the guy know, dropped the you... ball is only is the only reason that, that tackle has been noticed. Whereas you want to see a, a and if Ryan Madison can literally well not literally but almost literally take Brad Parker's head off in a very intentional shoulder charge the other day and he's still only getting three weeks then there's no way Cleary's supposed tackle is worth more than about a tenth of a week in comparison to that tackle. Now, Giannis, I'd love you to respond, but just before we do, I just want to point out that that you said the thing about uh, you know, the consistency in the thing. And so first reactions from the other two guys were about their teams. Xander straight away wanted to talk about the Roosters and Mario wanted to talk about hating the Storm, which are their two um, teams that we <laughs> often uh, default to. So it, was, it was great to see that happen immediately. Uh, consistency is great, and and I think what we we agreed with each other last time was just how were we ever going to get there with humans was I think what we agreed upon, and I think the same thing is going to happen with this um, with this issue here because the committee is done through a rotating roster of people, and so if you keep the same person there each week, we get into an issue like a, a quasi dictatorship issue where this one person is making all the decisions all the time, and and do they start favouring people or you know. We hear, we'll start reading articles about how they used to love the Roosters as a kid and that's why this kid only got two weeks and the other guy got eight weeks and blah, blah, blah. They, they rotated to try and and make it fairer, um, whether or not, not, maybe that's at the cost of consistency, but they have ex-players there and, and ex-officials, uh, administrators, things like that. And they literally have lawyers, paid lawyers, to try and advocate um, on, on behalf of these people. And they literally have a judge, a real judge, who, who sits there and helps the proceedings continue. So... The deputy prosecutor of the, uh, of the like the DPP, uh, who really goes every day and and tries to get people who have committed a crime um, into jail, then at night goes and represents 
the NRL and tries to get players um, pinged for as long as possible. So, you know, the real, the real people really trying to make real things happen there. And so the inconsistency, I think, only comes across um, one through what lawyer you have, how well those those people in real life advocate for you, just like in, in real law systems that you might be able to get away with or, or be convicted of things. That, uh, and, you know, and that's an inconsistency just due to humans. And the other problem is that the, the ex-player or the ex-official, whoever you have on the panel, has had a longer backstory that they can't get out of their subconscious or whatever, and they're making judgments based on that as well. So unless you completely change how that system's done overall, um, you know, like it, it's fundamental, fundamentally change how it's, how it's seen and, and essentially write a new uh, law book or whatever, whatever that would be called um, to, to create that. Again, I, I can't see any other way around that. How would you respond to that? Uh, look, what I've understood is, is that we should just take a dictatorial approach and just start yep. summarily executing people. That's simply, that's, and, and, and you know, arbitrary <laughs> the way I would like it. Um, yeah, no, look, I, I What's Gaddafi that. doing now? Maybe he could do it. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he, he I don't think he can do issues. too much, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I see where your point. I, I just think that, uh, and I don't have to make the point, we lost that game, it had nothing to do with losing the ball the game was gone already. Um, but to me, I, I differ. I think that it was a, a, a pretty straightforward shoulder charge that should come with the, the same sort of um, uh, penalties. Not penalties the way I'm looking at it, but it should be looked at in light, in light of loading, et cetera, et cetera, that unfortunately, like Mickey Ravalara um, didn't even, um, didn't even um, uh, you know, it wasn't even, it was a shoulder charge, but to the ribs. Uh, mm. Fair enough. If that's mm. the way they're going to interpret it. That's the way they're going to interpret it. Um, but anyway, um, I'm clearly outnumbered. And uh, what can I can I just say that in terms of like, I mean, problems with the game. And I'm going to bang on about this because it was something that really annoyed me on the weekend. There's there's there are inconsistencies, and then there are stupid rules. And the king of all stupid rules in rugby league is penalising teams for. Um, being a little bit overzealous and dragging a player into their end goal or over the sideline. That does not deserve a potential match-winning penalty. Uh, just make them go back and play the goddamn ball. It, it's annoyed me so many times uh, over the last few years, but on, on the weekend, the, the Sharks-Knights um, game, the Sharks basically lost that game because uh, whereas you know, oftentimes the referee will be happy to sit there and watch a player stand in a tackle for 15 seconds and then get an offload before calling held. He called held within an instant of the player being touched but not having hit the deck. And then when they, in that single motion, pulled him into the end goal, called a penalty when they were basically, the Sharks said, were, were three tackles into an incredibly dominant defensive set. Um, and, you know, the, the, the inconsistencies around high tackles and contact annoy, annoys me but just stupid fucking rules that make no sense and anymore. So I wanted an excuse to bring that up and that was it. <laughs> Brad, I look, I, I agree to the point except that it's the sharks and fuck them. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, I agree with that. There's some, some really dumb inconsistent. Those sort of rules are so inconsistent and, 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 and um, yeah, w- w- why? Why is it a penalty? Like, I mean, that's, that's my question. I'm more than happy to explain to you why it's a penalty. That, no, that's a penalty there's because... no good reason. Oh, well, I'll try and explain to you. You can tell me afterwards it wasn't good. You, I'll tell the, you um... while you're wrong. While you're, while you're wrong when you when you get done. But go on, <laughs> explain to me the logic. <clears throat> what happened? Take take that rule away, and what do you coach? 
well, you coach t- players to attempt to take them back. Yeah. And so then in those in those tackles, when they, they hit the ground half a meter out, you pick them up and drag them back. The referee blows time off. That's not the marker called hell here. They do that again. Your line set, you do the exact same thing again. In fact, they get tackled. It's obvious. They pick them up and drag them back. No, guys, they said, come back here. It's now tackled two and these people aren't moving. So it's essentially working them on the – it's working – it's a ruck penalty, but it's in the air or it's a moving ruck penalty. And you do the same thing on a sideline where the tackle's complete. It's hard to work out exactly where the tackle's complete, which I'm going to agree with you wholeheartedly. But if you saw that in the middle of the field where they got tackled and then you saw that guy drag them back left or right and moving – and the guy – and, and you saw a defender doing that, you would be screaming for a penalty because that's stupid. The guys are obviously slowing the game. They're slowing that ruck down for their defensive line. And that's the same issue that they have there. Once the tackle's complete, communicating that to the tacklers isn't an issue. But once the tackle's complete, we can't start moving the, the ball player around or else that's it's the same with the leg pull. The moment the person's trying to do the next thing and you impact them in any way, once the tackle's complete, you impact that guy's attempt to try and play the ball, then you are slowing the ruck down and, it's, and that's a penalty, which is what's so happening should- there. That should be that should be at worst a set restart. It should not be a penalty. And the the, the the reason the reason is is that because there is such inconsistency with how it's ruled, the advantage you gain uh, from basically having a dominant set turned into you know a, a fifty meter territory loss is just way out of whack with with the uh, I think with the crime there. And it strikes me that previously they used to penalise you for passing the ball after the calling of held as well. You used to get a penalty against you if you passed the ball after held, and they realised that yeah, was yeah. stupid. Uh, and mm. it's the same logic for me as that. I think at worst it's a set restart. Logically, you could probably just say bring it out to the ten if they bring it if and and they get to play the ball there. Um, you know, like or in ten, because if they've taken but, them out in ten, the problem is slowing down that ruck. So anytime you move them around, we've also now set the defensive line. A set restart makes a lot of sense. I'm more than happy to accept that, particularly if it's um on the sideline. I think that would be a really effective one um, if they tried to take it out. And then I think both teams are happy to make that gamble. Yeah, exactly. It, it evens it out a bit more. Because the, the the problem is 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 that Xander looks at, to that tackle uh, uh, going on with the tackle near the try line a bit like a dog. And anyone who does that offends him. And his greatest dictator, of course, is offended by a dog. Yeah. yeah. And so, therefore, I now want look, you to I, think not... I love not the way you brought that back to like my to, dictator. Yeah. That was great. I, I want you yeah. to think it's, it's poor little Fido on the try line being picked up <laughs> and kicked. Right? Okay. So, well, yeah, I also exactly. saw on the weekend when, the, when we were playing, whichever team we thrashed this weekend, um, Luke Brooks Luke, Luke Brooks had tackled someone who was, who was just about to score. He, had, he ends up getting um, sin bin for trying to rake the ball out. Now, if that guy was still trying to score, and he was on the try line, that guy's given eight or nine minutes, just like you were saying, Xander, to try and wrestle his way over to try and get that ball down, and we'd give him all of that time to see if he can score. But in the same process, Luke's trying to play at the ball, and in the act of scoring, is allowed to, to pull the ball out. Uh, but was penalised and then sin bin because they saw that they thought that that was a professional fan who was doing it on purpose, which of course I thought he was. I thought he was in in his rights to do it at the time, but to hear that referee call held at that time so far away is, you know, is a problem in itself to try and communicate with players, and that's probably the biggest problem with the ten meter rule and why for an entire hundred years we've allowed that ten meter rule to be at a referee's discretion because they're trying to call go. There's a go call that they're supposed to go on anyone who moves before that go call should be penalised, but to actually communicate that to that many guys across that space, um, all they do after that is then shout the person's name as loud as they can 
um, to try and get them not to be involved. And just while we're on that, can I also compliment every referee that's ever refereed that they can remember that many people's names that are playing, <laughs> even people who are on their first or second game that they'd still go, Billy, that's you, Billy, stay out of the play. And as we all know, I have an incredible ability of forgetting people's names, even people that I've loved um, for centuries. Uh, so any referee that can go and play the game and call those people out is amazing. Here's my rule, Xander, that I want to, I want to get rid of is that when you are <clears throat> attempting to catch a ball or at any stage, that, um, if you lose control of the ball and it touches mm-hmm. an opposition, I still don't see that as a knock-on. It, whoever comes out with possession of that ball has the ball and we play on. If it gets lost in there and then the other team comes up with it, that's and now their ball, and if it gets lost in there and you come out with it, well, you came out with it. I, I, I can't see it as a knock-on. I've, I struggle to see it with a knock-on. You are singing my song. That is my other most hated uh, interpretation at the moment. It, it, it drives me... It, yeah, it, it takes it, it away drives from the sport. Yeah. Like it's not it, in the air. It's it's irritating. I think you're right. It should just be a fair contest until it hits the ground. It shouldn't be. But they just and I've said this on on Twitter. There's such a massive inconsistency with the way the competition rules forward passes versus knock ons. A mm. ball can bounce a, a like an atom into another player and and they will never have functionally lost control of that ball and they're like oh that's a knock on. Yeah, but you can see you see players put past two three. Uh, you know, four meters forward, and it's completely fine. It is just, it is completely divorced from the spirit of the the, the way those rules were drafted. Yeah, and that ball carrier running and they're getting into a big tackle and it's shifting in their arm, and then uh, and and the poor referee having to look at that or the bunker looking at it and going, shit, I'm going to have to call that. What a terrible thing to have to try and adjudicate on if a ball being surrounded by three men was um, played out or not, or or if it was lost or if someone was trying to rake it. It's just, it's a ridiculous rule that would. We are much better off with it getting rid of. And I think it's used to deserve, like, if it gets fucked around in the air and you still come down with it, like, that's more talented than if you just caught it on the floor. Anyway. Um, great. Yannis, are you happy with that? Is there anything else you no, want to no, shout no, out? No, gents. Have a good night. I appreciate your time. Um, I am now going to get- No, we appreciate you coming off the injured bench. What a what an absolute truth. The 18th man. Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm literally the dragon season. Like, it provides. Fighting machine. <laughs> uh, the only thing I'm looking forward to is this Corey Norman never playing for my football team again. <laughs> so, yeah. and then Moses yeah, then yeah, just summed his up. Spot. <laughs> oh, mate. Thanks, mate. I'm already feeling shit. Thanks, thanks Andy. <laughs> Sorry, uh, so, my Mario. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers. <laughs> See you, gents. See ya. Bye, mate. See you, mate. Bye. I don't know if it's Stockholm Syndrome or what it is, but I've actually come around to Moses and Bye, and I think he's actually not nowhere near as bad as I used to think he was. <laughs> Um, there's, there's a hot take. Well, that's all we've got uh, for you this week, Tacklers. It was wonderful. And until next time, just do what Andrew Fafita would do. Tell the chef when the food is not right and then it's not, he's having trouble swallowing it and then wait for Buzz Rothfield to trivialise your palate. Good night. Just a quick note, Voluntary Tacklers, very sorry we didn't get to some of your Twitter questions. Hopefully we can attack them next week. Uh, It is a big regret for the show because there were some jaffers in there. Uh, I particularly like the question about ALF from the sitcom ALF and what the rugby league community would be like if it turned out ALF was a sexual predator. Um, Top of my head, probably would have played for the Dragons, but we'll tackle that next week. 